Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Jens Nelson. Thanks for being on the show again, Jens. Oh, I'm happy to be back. It's great to talk to you again, Whitney. Yeah. So, you know, in our last show, if you, if you don't know who Jens is, I, I encourage you to go back and listen to show WS194. You know, had him on then uh, and we talked more about his background and how he got into real estate and the mindset shift from employee to entrepreneur and uh, and some of those things. But Quickly, in uh, immigrated from Denmark, and uh, he had that powerful mindset shift from employee to entrepreneur. He built a personal portfolio to 80, 82 units in less than three years, and he did that by leveraging a strong team and uh, while still working full time. And, and so, we wanted to I wanted to get into that today. I wanted him to be able to tell us a little more about how he did that and the team, how he built a good team, and then also he's had some success raising capital. He's able to raise three hundred fifty thousand in in just seven days, and and uh, get into the raising money and, and getting into syndications quickly. And, and I wanted to, I thought that could really be valuable content for the listeners. And, and so we wanted to have him back to get into that. But Jens, thanks again for being on the show. And uh, I guess let's just go right into it. But or you can give the listeners just a little more about yourself and then we'll just go right into your team and what you're up to now. Oh, yeah. I mean, so as I mentioned in my last interview, I moved here from the US in 1996, been in telecommunication and IT for all these years. But recently realized that if I want to secure my financial future and my family's financial future, I need to build some passive income. It doesn't rely on my employer to pay me a weekly paycheck. So I've had that shift. I'm still employed, but I'm slowly kind of just building this portfolio and this business on the side. So one day it can uh, replace my uh, W2 income. So that's really the, that's the goal and that's the path forward for me. Would you say that if you weren't still employed, that you may be trying to do most of this yourself instead of building a team, or you'd be tempted. I, I know I would be. Yeah, no, it's that idea of you come from being in control, being a good technician, and you're like, hey, I know what I'm doing, and that nobody can do as well as I can. And then you suddenly try to create a business and you try to do it yourself, everything, and it just doesn't work because you can't be in a hundred places at once, and you're not necessarily very good at a bunch of things that you want to be good at. I think it's important when you start out, you need to learn as much as you can about all the aspects of your business. But over time, trying to leverage other people, what they're good at, that is going to be tremendous in growing and scaling your business. So leveraging others' other skills, right? And those tasks that are $10 an hour tasks, as opposed to the $100 an hour task, which most of us have heard that before, you know, finding, hiring those things out that are $10 an hour tasks so you can focus on the other things, right? But who was your first hire and what did they do for you? So really, I'm so small enough that I don't really have any full-time employees or anything like that. But the first thing I really realized, you know, I've been a guy who was doing my own taxes, my own accounting, you know, for my job and stuff like that. So I'm like, that's the first thing I did. I cannot figure out how to do my business taxes. Like, so don't even try. So I mean, the first thing was to hire, making sure that my accounting for my properties was done professionally. So I would just get a monthly update status and income expenses, my P&L and everything else. So that was the first thing. And then really hiring a CPA to do my taxes. You know, I, I, I looked at it for five minutes, like, no way, I can't do this. So that was just the first realization. So you first hired an accountant and then a CPA? 
yeah, essentially that was just the two th- first things I did, and that's been tremendous. Just I don't have to worry about those things; they just get done and uh, it's taken care of. Yeah. So even though those aren't full time employees, they're still taking tasks off your plate that they're really good at and probably much more efficient at. But now that you can go work on something else that you're more efficient at, or more you know that you want to spend your time on. Absolutely. Yeah. And that would just be you know stuff that's not value add for within my skill set. So that's off my plate. To- for somebody else to do that. All right. So what was next? What are some other tasks that you finally discovered that, okay, I need to start hiring this out and building a team that can do these things? Well, obviously, so the other path I've done, I've, I've done some direct mail and other things to try to find, you know, that seller for smaller, the smaller properties I've done. And initially, you know, I would try to do a lot of that work myself. So I got some people to help me, just some people in the local community that, that wanted a little side work and stuff like that. I explained, you know, how do you go and find the owners? How do you break down the LLCs and all that stuff? So after I understood it myself, I've had people help me create those lists and then also, you know, sending out those letters, you know, so I'm not the one sitting there stuffing envelopes and writing out envelopes and stuff like that. So I had people help me with that. It's something I've scaled back on a little bit more because I've, I'm leveraging a bigger, I'm changed my investment investment approach a little bit, but that was another task that I tried to you know kind of outsource that way. And then I guess go into how you've how you've grown that, what you're doing now. Maybe do you use virtual assistants or do you have somebody like locally that helps you part time? And what do they do? Yeah, so basically, you know, I've actually just had somebody locally help me just part time doing some of these tasks. I know a lot of people use virtual assistants. I've not really gone down that path yet. It is probably something that I need to do, but I, I need to look into more. Then obviously, you know, property management is because I think a lot of investors, they're like, Oh my God, I don't want to do, you know, fixed toilets and all that. So I very, you know, immediately I was like, no, I don't want to manage properties. I, I find professional help to do that. And, you know, so that, that's another key thing. Do what you're good at. Do what, as you said, the, the hundred or a thousand dollars an hour work versus the ten dollars an hour work. Yeah. So you said you're hiring at property management and things like that. And then uh, what type of systems did you have to develop? I mean, obviously, with even 82 units and working full time, I mean, you've got to have some people in place or some systems to be able to manage all that. And, and can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, you know, obviously, the property management, I use the same company for all my properties. So they have their systems to create the monthly reports and all that. So that's helpful in that regard. Personally, I use, I've experimented with various CRMs, and I'm actually quite customer relationship management. So I can keep track on who I'm contacting and who what I'm supposed to do. I've actually gone to a new one that I found interesting. It it's adds on to uh, just Google Mail, a Gmail uh, called Streak. And that's actually a, like a CRM built into Gmail and that actually consolidates everything in there. So having some sort of system for that, I think that's just who are you reaching out to? When are you reaching out to them? And when is the last time you heard from them? That's key. And I think that's what I've found. That I haven't heard of Streak. That's the name of the CRM you're currently using? Yeah, it's a, it's called Streak. I think uh, if you Google that, you can find a company. I think the company is something else. There's even another... I'm just looking at my screen over here. There's another one called Boomerang. That's another add-on to Gmail. They're just little things like, hey, you haven't heard from this person in three days. We'll, we'll prompt you to reach out again and stuff like that. So... Because I think, you know, the best CRM is the one you use. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and all my email flow through Gmail, right? So, so that way I can manage it all from in there. Yeah, I've done lots of research about numerous CRMs and different platforms. And, and I will give a shout out to, our, to one of our sponsors, IMS, uh, who's giving 15% off to the listeners if you use the code in the show notes. 
And so something like that is more towards the syndication business, you know, where investors can log in and actually see their investments on their phone or on the computer and have their own account so that they can watch those things. But something like Contactually or what there's so many different types of you know, HubSpot and Podio and all these that are their CRMs, but uh, some of them are a lot more involved than others. And while those are, they're not like the syndication business specific, they're more customer relationships, uh, you know, management, a little different, not just for investors. Uh, so it really depends on what you're looking for. But anyway, I appreciate you bringing up uh, Streak. I haven't heard of that one. So what was it about Streak that made you decide on them as opposed to, you know, other platforms? Oh, I had tried some other CRMs, as you mentioned, and and I guess it didn't really feel like they were integrating very well. They're very expensive, even though it may not seem like a lot, but a lot of small expenses, a lot of monthly expenses, it all adds up. So I was like, hey, let me try this one. Somebody else mentioned it too. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. You know, you can do mail merge and you can do manage all a lot of stuff. And it's like, hey, it's pretty simple and integrate with the tools that I'm already using. So like and it was just a plug-in so it's just right away it was working for me you know down the road i may change it something else but it's working for me at the moment great yeah so i like what you said too it's just uh, the one that you use right is the best one and it is it's a constant it's a daily thing that you're having to upkeep and keep putting information in time and time and time again and so it's always current and if you don't do that then none of them are going to work very well for you are there anything else, uh, are there any other things like that or software that you found that is useful to you or helped you create these systems so so you can stay organized while you're still working full-time but managing this real estate business? I mean, it may sound simple, but I love to use any kind of like Google Sheets, anything. I want to have everything available regardless of where I'm at. Like, So I use Google Sheet and Google Docs a lot. I use Dropbox, anything that's in the cloud that's easily accessible regardless of where you're at, are really just kind of what I'm. So that's what I. I don't have any any specific because again, you know, I don't run my own property management, so I don't have a you know an Folio system implemented or something like that. My property manager does that. Yeah, I also use Google Sheets and Google Drive a lot. I love it so I can just see it right on my phone. I can have a an icon right on my home screen on my phone and just touch it, and I can see an Excel sheet right there that the whole team can see. And that's been very beneficial for us as well. So I want to talk about your money raising a little bit, how you've partnered with other teams, or you know, maybe you can elaborate on that a little bit. We had talked about you know you're raising three hundred fifty thousand in seven days, and but I want to go back a little bit and just how you got into the business syndication, and or maybe even from when you had the eighty two units, was syndication something that you were even aware of? I had. Uh... You know, thanks for asking that question because I started investing in my my own money to smaller deals. I also took a shift with my retirement money, if you will. I had some IRAs sitting in the stock market at you know one of the big brokerage companies, and one of the big things I learned early on is the idea of self directed IRAs. So I was like, huh, I can actually invest in real estate, you know, private placement syndications through my um, my IRA. So I invested investigated that, and like I think. Early on, two and a half, three years ago, I started moving a lot of money out of the stock market into various syndication deals. And I think I've done like 12 deals now through my own IRA, my wife's uh, IRA, because I realized I just feel like it's such a, it's a much better vehicle, in my opinion, than putting money in the stock market and hoping for it to, <laughs> to go up. So I started down the passive route first to really learn how is this done and so forth. So I guess to step back, I have known about syndications for quite some time. I have not done any until this year. Okay. 
Yeah. So tell us how you then started to get into the syndication business. You know, I think as I mean, in our last podcast, I talked a little bit about this kind of joint venture we did with some friends. And it actually surprised me how I hate to use this, but it, it was actually not that difficult to get people involved in an investment because they trusted me to know what I was doing. They looked at the deal and they looked at the team and said, Hey, this makes sense. Let's go. So like, huh, there's probably a lot of money out there that's looking for a place to uh, people and money look to invest somewhere. That gave me a boost of confidence to move forward. But I also realized that I was not in a position with my full-time job to go out and go to all these big markets and invest, you know, create the relationships with the brokers, look at all these big deals and really be the key principal on a big deal at uh, this point in time. So through my, so I started like networking with people that are actually doing that work themselves. They are the ones finding the deals. Those are the ones that are underwriting it. And once in everything is, they have everything on a contract. I then, you know, look at that and make sure it makes sense. And then I said, if I feel comfortable with it and said, Hey, I would like to help you raise money for this deal. So that was kind of the path of the direction I took. Felt like that was a natural progression for my business. So you found that you could start raising capital and get in, you know, and partner with somebody, get in the syndication business. Tell us about that, just the capital raising process that you went through maybe on the first time. Yeah. So, I mean, just stepping back. So really, you know, how do you find a good operator? How do you find somebody you trust? Right. And that's really gone back to this thing that if you want to be successful in this business, you need to round yourself with people that are doing what you want to do. So I've spent the last couple of years going to conferences, building, you know, just really networking and creating masterminds and finding the people that are doing what I want to do. You know, they're ahead of where I'm at, but I still try to provide value to them. Yeah. So I met some, you know, last earlier this year, I, uh, I went to a conference and met some people. And when they had a deal in Atlanta that came up and they say, you know, is there an opportunity for me to get involved here? And they said, yeah, for sure. You know, we, we need some more money and we'll, you know, we'll be happy to work with you. And, um, I got into it a little bit late in the game uh, because I think they were just, they needed a little bit more capital there. And I said, well, you have money needs to be wired next Friday, you know, and this was like getting close to that date. So I was like, okay, well, let's get on it. And I started just reaching out to people that I had talked about it for a long time and say, you know, this is the deal. Here are the numbers. And people were very responsive. I mean, given the short time frame, some people were scared away from that, but other people were like, yeah, I'm ready. I got the money. Let's do this. So that was, that was the approach I took. It's, again, it's a little bit about what we talked about in the in the last episode too, just getting uncomfortable, right? Putting yourself out there. But two, just having confidence in your deal and the team that you've you know, that you've met really at this point, due diligence or you know, you talked about finding a good operator. And that's key, right? You're gonna partner with somebody, you're gonna bring your investors to somebody else's deal and partner with them and help them on this opportunity so you can be on the general partnership side of that deal to really gain some experience in this business. And it's a great way to get started. However, finding that good operator and finding somebody that you trust is really key there. Because when you're having those conversations with those investors, tell us about how that played into it, this team that you had found. You know, When you're talking to an investor, and you know, did they ask about the team? They ask about, how did you get into a property that, you know, this many units? Or what was their questions? Initially, people invest in you. So they trust me to know what I'm doing, right? They trust me to bring them a deal that makes sense that I can fully stand behind. So it's really about credibility and trust with you as an individual. That's step one, right? First of all, if they don't know what you're doing, if they don't trust you to deliver, 
that's just kind of that relationship that you have to build up over time. Then the next thing is what is the market and what is the operator? And I like to look for somebody that has some track record, right? Not their first syndicate, not their second syndicate. You know, they've done five or six or at least some so they have some experience in there. I like to see somebody that's gone through a full cycle of actually purchased something and implemented their business plan and, and sold it. That's a little bit harder because it takes five, six, eight years to go through that process. And if you wait too long, well, then all the opportunities are gone, right? So, so this specific team that I work with have, you know, I think 800 units already and really growing quickly. They've, they've exited one and I felt like they've shown that they can deliver. And so, so I trust the team and I got a good referrals from other people around this team and I met them in person and these guys know what they're doing. And then, you know, the market as well, you know, what's the market? Does the market make sense? Is the market growing? And this one, this specific deal is in Atlanta and, uh, you know, Atlanta has been growing very quickly and, and they got a really good price on this property and it was, you know, had some upside to it. So really the whole package, right? And, and everything looked, you know, checked all the boxes, low leverage and um, good interest rate and everything else. So, so I felt like it, it looked like a slam dunk deal there. That's awesome. So you mentioned many key things there that, that's important when looking into an operator and making sure there's somebody that you want to partner with. And one thing too, you said you, know, you got some referrals. And so where did you get the referrals from? Did you ask the operator for those or, or did you just you know know of other people that were also investing with this operator or how, how did you find them? Uh, just through, you know, again, it's a small world out there. You know, when you and I met and we, you know, we know some of the same people, once you start getting out there, you realize, hey, there, are, it's a small world. And if you don't do right, it's going to come out very quickly, right? If you're not, we all make mistakes and things happen, but if you are being dishonest or anything like that, that is not, that's going to very quickly become apparent. So I would just ask around, you know, and say, hey, these are the guys that are doing this deal. What can you tell me about them? You know, and uh, and I didn't get any negative feedback. And you know, everybody was like, "Yeah, they've, they've done great. They deliver on what they say." And just kind of ask around. I mean, people are going to be giving you the honest feedback. I think in most cases, and uh, just research what they've done. And and uh, you know, the internet you can't. It's hard. To, it's hard to hide stuff these days. You know, so just do your research and make sure that it makes sense. So the money that you raised, where did these investors come from? Uh, they were basically just friends and family that I had met through various organizations. That's what I don't like I say. Yeah, I mean, some basically from local meetups. As I mentioned in my the previous podcast, my cycling is another big thing. And you know, again, this you know raising money for syndications, you have to have this specific one. You have to have a personal relationship with people. So. I, you know, again, every time I talk to people, like, you know, I'm a real estate investor. I'm not an IT person anymore, right? And so there was just a list that I had generated over time. And, you know, it was, you know, 50, 100 people on there. And that was enough to just get started. You know? That's awesome. So it was people that you've had a relationship with a, good, a long time. And then, uh, you know, they knew, they trusted you. They You'd built relationships really outside of real estate. Uh, and tell me about, uh, before we have to go, but tell me about how you introduced yourself to them in this new lot as far as, you know, in, as a real estate investor? You know, I basically, again, I've had the conversation for a couple of years, basically saying, hey, I'm investing in real estate for ourselves from, you know, me and my wife, but I'm looking at a bigger deal. And, and I had some, you know, created a little sample packets and said, this is what it may look like. And are you interested? And it's like, oh, sure. Then I started, you know, creating a monthly kind of or 
bi-monthly newsletter. I put everybody in the list and I've been just sending out what I've been doing. So I've been kind of at front of mind to these people. And then I also ask, are there any referrals to anybody you know that may be interested? So I just kind of slowly start building this list of potential investors and then stay, even if it took a year or a year and a half before I had something, they had kind of like, I touched them, if you will, on a regular basis. And they like, oh, here's the deal. Like, oh, yeah, you talked about that. Now there's actually something here. So let's do it. Right. So. So, you know, what's been the hardest part of the capital raising process for you so far? Uh, I think this was a short time frame. So I think people felt a little bit rust. I think having more time, this is, you know, hard because you get a property on a contract, you got to close it at some point, right? So you may have, but if you had a month, that would be, I think, more comfortable. You know, I think then the other, the, the other challenge is, as you know, some of these deals you can't advertise. So just growing your network, it's a slow process, right? So that that's, and I live in a very small town. So having enough people around is, is a challenge too. So are there any big problems that you see that stick out from other people that are trying to raise capital and maybe things that you say, well, you don't need to do it this way or do this instead? I mean, you don't want to sound desperate. You want to try to sell something. You're giving them an opportunity to participate in an investment for their benefit, not for your benefit. I mean, it's, it's just, hey, this is what it is. This is why I think this is a great deal. This is why it makes sense. You know, you're not trying to sell them something. And, and here's, I like to throw out little quotes. Here's another one that I heard from somebody is, how do you get somebody to actually like you enough to, or, or trust you enough to invest with you? So there's this thing that says, know me, like me, trust me, buy me. I mean, buy me, it's tough. But, and I think, you know, in typical, any kind of relationship we have, it's like, know me, buy me. In the sense, we just shortcut that whole process of getting people to trust you, right? So if you spend the time to, you know, really get to know people, they trust you, then eventually they're like, oh, Jens is not going to try to mess you over here or anything. They really, he's a trustworthy person. And then people will be much more likely to want to invest with you. Awesome. Jens, you know, unfortunately, we're, we're out of time, but you have been a great guest and I appreciate you coming back on the show again. Tell the listeners how they can reach out to you and, how, and get in touch with you. Yeah, so my email is Jens, that's spelled J-E-N-S, at opendoorscapital.com. My website is also opendoorscapital.com. And I'd like to offer anybody that wants a free call, they can go to my website, opendoorscapital.com slash call, and they can get on a free call with me to talk about real estate or anything else, you know, cycling, skiing, the outdoors. So whatever you want to talk about, I'd love to offer that to anybody that wants that's a big opportunity right there again. And I hope the listeners are taking these guests up on, on these offers to speak to them, just like Jens is putting that out there as email and a way to talk to him. And so if you're just getting started in this business, you should be taking these guests up on this offer and, t- you know, taking action in that way and, and asking, you know, just 15 minutes with some, with any of these guests are, are going to help, you know, get you probably a little further in the process of what you're trying to achieve in real estate. So. I appreciate the listeners being with us today. I hope you'll go to our Facebook group, The Real Estate Syndication Show, so we can all grow our businesses together. And, and I hope you'll go to LifeBridge Capital and connect with me, where you can also contact us and put your information in, and I'll call you as well. And so we can have a conversation. But thankful for everyone that's with us today, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to The Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. 
LifeBridge Capital. Making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.